my summer reading. Welcome to 2022, not 2020 again, just 20 with the number two. Good to see you here. Who started their summer reading? Yeah, who loves reading? Now, what I love about summer reading is there's one thing on the stage that I would really like to change. Excuse me for a minute. Stage looks great. But when you read, there shouldn't be a clock. Is that right? There's permission to stay up to finish the book. I used to be such a, what is it, uh, undisciplined reader that when I was teaching, I used to say during term time, no books. And then holiday would be it. These days I'm a bit more disciplined, but there's still the odd occasion when I do stay up late to finish the book. You know, we're going to have a series, summer reading, lots of different speakers, lots of good fun, and I'm going to introduce you today to a book that I call The Book of Belonging. I actually read a title of a book like that this year, but it wasn't about me belonging, it was about her belonging, and there's a lot of disconnect in it. And then uh, when I was... Uh, around children, I actually found this book one day and I read it to them and I've actually read it aloud here in church once in the early days. It was called Are You My Mother? Any parent remember that one? It's about a little hen, little chicken who lost its mother and it went round the farmyard looking for everyone saying, are you my mother? trying to get connection, trying to belong, trying to believe that a cow was its mother. Anyhow, finally, it did find its mother and it found a belonging and a connection. Belonging is such a big word. It's easy to spell, though, but uh, we join all kinds of clubs, sport, reading book clubs, every kind of club, you name it, so that we can socialise, belong, have some connection. And of course, social media is in a way a pseudo way, a false way of belonging, having a look to see how many ticks you get, how many likes. So belonging. I have a book about belonging, and it's for everybody, everyone, all people, all time, every language, every age, as soon as you can read. It's called the Bible. I have a Bible in here. I saw it the other day at, on Christmas Day at my brother's place. And this was his wife's Bible. And I said, can I borrow this? She actually has three rubber bands around it. She said to me as I picked it up this morning, because I couldn't pick it up before then, got it in 1979 and I won't be buying a new one. She loves it. She said, I did take all the loose stuff out of it before I gave it to you. How does that look? A beloved book, a well-read book. Not like my story. Every time mine get a bit old, I buy a new one. <laughs> and a uh, new translation, a new Bible, and I wear them out. But these days, of course, oh, my, app, my phone's down there. I read a lot of it 
on my app. Some of my other summer reading I'll just bring out because some of these I think are pretty useful for this series. This one was called Seven Things I Wish a Christian Knew About the Bible. Great book. You can get it at Curon. They're not paying me for that ad. Um, But, you know, this is a little bit more logically argued. Seven great reasons. This one here... The story. Most of you, some of us have got this one. We've read it through here as a church many years ago. It doesn't have the repetition. It has it kind of like in a chronological sequence. If you want to really get to know the big story, borrow this from someone, buy it, get it, see if it's on YouTube. This is another one. It was a real good fun read. What is the Bible? How on earth can that be fun? It was entertaining. It was informative. And it made me want to keep reading and reading and reading. So there's the little bits of my summer reading so far, and that's not including the five fiction books I've read since Christmas Day, okay? But we won't talk about those. In our Bible, there's two main sections. I'm calling it the Book of Belonging. Translated, written in different languages, and it's written over a long period of time. It's just full of stuff. 66 books, some long books, some short books, some different different authors, different cultural backgrounds, different settings, different language, different ways of writing. There's narrative. Did you know one-third of the Bible is written in poetry? Find poetry hard? So do I. But the richness of poetry is that it touches the emotion. And it gives pictures. So try to come to terms with a little bit of poetry. There's song, there's genealogy, there's promises, there's riddles, there's parables, there's proverbs, there's romance, there's war stories, sad and tragic. The book of belongings. I call it that. Or the book of longing. Look at this quote. Look at this. I'm not sure it's a quote. I might have just written it. But look at this. I think this is amazing. The longing of God to find our place of belonging. God longs so that we would find our place of belonging, so that all longings are fulfilled. If you don't take anything else away today, take that one. You can get your camera out and take a photo of that saying if you like. I think it's great. It's good. The longing of God to find a place of belonging so that all of our longings are fulfilled. As I read the story, I find that God is a God who has pleasure, desire, and longings. Well, I'm going to just give a little bit of a run round about the book. You remember when you first got your chapter books? You remember that? Chapter books? The kid comes home from school and says, I'm now reading in chapters. Can you remember those times? Well, we've got the Bible only has four chapters, 66 books with thousands of words, but only four main chapters. Chapter one. Read it. Chapter two. Chapter three. Chapter four. End and new. So here you have 1.5 metres apart, but really these chapters are close together in reading but they are very long in their action. 
and their chapters go right through the story. So we've got chapter one, two, three, and four. You can put those down for now, but we will relate, relate to them later again. So that's, you can remember four main chapters in the book. You remember that? What are they? So you've got the main chapters, eh? Thanks to Fee and Stewart. It has a main character. I want you to imagine a drama at this stage, okay? The stage is set, the scenery is set, the players, there's lots of actors. The director is God, God. The main character is Jesus. But along the way, there's lots of other characters. And the director has light shining on different characters, but you know, these characters do not keep to script. They keep making up their own words and their own storyline, and they go off script. And it seems that the director lets them do it because they choose not to follow directions. And they go off script and have to live the consequences of this going off script. But there's new stories, there's stories. This director's behind the scenes, in the scenes, in the lighting, in the darkening, in the different colour changes. And then the main character comes along and the character is Jesus. And the stage lights up with a baby. Isn't that beautiful? But you know, the old part of the Bible, before Jesus... It is about failure and dark threads. It's about faith and hope. It's about promise, broken promises. It's about a nation that failed. It's about people who went off script. It's about a faithful God who didn't fail. And the invitation to read the Old Testament is to look for that God who's writing the script who doesn't fail, who's faithful, who keeps on loving, who keeps on giving grace and mercy and chance over and over and turns failure into promise yet again. That's the way to read the older part of the Bible. The climax, as I said, is the Christmas story, but it's a story of tension. Okay, the centre stage is Jesus. But the tension builds up in three years to what seems like a Greek tragedy. Betrayal, a death sentence, a cross, a tomb, a resurrection, ascension, and the beginning in a new way, the family of God, the church. As I mentioned, the main theme is belonging. Belonging is very complicated. Relationships are fraught there's good and bad and indifferent and ugly. And we want someone to love us and we try hard. And the harder we try, they don't like us. And then they offend us and we have all these complications. And sometimes we don't even speak to people. Relationships, belonging are fraught with family, with friends, with church members. God has always been invested in our story. In the relationships, God is there. And in chapter one, the creation story, here we have another beautiful story. I'm wondering if I could have another volunteer out here just to stand under where chapter one is. Can I have someone just to come and stand? 
You want to do that, Sandra? Come on. You can even probably read what this says. Do you know what that says? Eden. We have someone called Eden. You can, you go and, you can sit on the stage if you like, underneath Roy Royce. Because chapter one's, that's good. Just sit down if you like. Mummy may help you. That's good. Make yourself comfortable. You'll be there a while. That's the Eden story. That's the story of heaven came down to earth, the creation story. It's the story of God with us on earth. It's the story of where humans belonged, enjoyed. They had fun, joy unlimited, grace, mercy, peace. Just so incredible where all things were in worship and praise, where they laughed together, where they just had no dark threads, no badness, and the goodness was called shalom, if you like, wholeness, completeness in every possible way. I love chapter one. It doesn't take long to read. It's only two books in the Bible, about uh, 50 verses, but it's worth reading over and over and over again. And I don't think a week goes by that I don't read the first chapter. So much in it. Eden, the paradise of mutual belonging. You like that? Chapter one. Then we come to chapter two. 1.5 metres apart, but really, well, I don't know how long in time. The wholeness is broken. Relationships become complicated. Heaven and earth are distanced, and no longer do we know and experience God with us. Two threads are now in this world, the golden thread from God with us and the dark thread. But we have here brokenness, sin, hatred, darkness, deceit, envy, jealousy, my story, your story, our story, the story of history, the story of God's people, the story of that world. But in the midst, we have a faithful God of love and mercy and grace and connection with him. With him. We enter chapter 2. But we come to chapter 3, which is rescue. Now, this is probably the longest chapter in the whole of the scripture because the rest of of the Bible. By the way, the book, word Bible is just the Greek word for book. It's just a book, okay? But we've come to think that Bible is a sacred word. It means book. If you, we have bibliographies, we have biographies, bibliography, books, okay? It's just a Greek word. So we come to the next part of our Bible, the rescue, where God wants his longings to be known to us so that we can belong. And so enters the rescue story. It's a long story. It's worth a read. It's the rest of the story. And this is where it gets complicated. This is where we've got real people in a real situation who sometimes have real connections with God and often muck it up and make a mess. But in it, we look for the faithfulness and the character of God. We don't follow the character. We follow the faithful God. And so we've got this little place here. And in the rescue mission, I need another volunteer. Have I got a volunteer for this one? I think I've got it. Let me see. I do. Can I have a volunteer? Someone else to come and sit on the stage? Come on. Come on. Over. Come on up. Run around. And this word is... Tabernacle. You want to just go and sit un- under three? 
Yeah. Tabernacle. Now, what was all that about? God gave Moses instructions to build this tent. That's what the word means. It was a special tent. It was a detailed tent. It was meant to move when they were moving. It was a picture of what God was like. It was to remind them that even though God lived in all of the world, in the heavens, and you couldn't contain him, the tabernacle was right in the middle of their place where they camped to remind them that God was with them. God with them. Okay? But they forgot. The tabernacle became more important than the message. It was really a storybook. Remember parents with storybooks? You've got this one picture and the first time you read it you say cow. The next time you read it you say cow eats grass. The next time you read it, you say, cow is blue. No, cow is brown, the child corrects you. And then you read it, the cow says, moo. So from with one picture, 500 times you read it to your story, and every time you look at the picture, you add a bit more. Is that right? The picture is not the reality, but it produces the story of the reality. And that's what the tabernacle was. It was like a picture to remind us about the truth about our God who is with us. Well, it wasn't long that they were settled. They chose Israel. They were led into a land. They said no to Eden. They came to another place, and I need another, another. Who can I have this time? Someone got a hand up? Who's got a hand? Come on. This time it's called temple. This was not portable. This was solid. And there was a famous king. You can sit here if you like. They can't see you there. You better come over here. Okay. That's about uh, 1,000 years before Jesus. They built this solid temple. Again, it was meant to be a picture story to remind them, to tell them that God was with them in their presence. But what did they do? They made the temple sacred and they forgot about their God. And uh, that's the story often of what can happen. God with us in the temple, built by them. Eventually, we've got here the temple. Okay, then we have the last of the rescue. One more volunteer. It's not hard. Someone's got to, come on. We ought to have your whole family up here, Oliver. I love them. Do you know what that word says? Jesus. Okay. You can go and sit next to your sister. Okay. The last one of God trying to establish this relationship with us is Jesus. What did the angel say his name was to be called? Emmanuel. God with us. So here we have now God in flesh and blood. God walking around with us doing good, loving us, the light of the world, the wonder of his story. Here we have all of the promises of God fulfilled. Here we have the old making sense in Jesus, God with us in the flesh, no longer in a tent. We said no to a garden, no longer in a temple. They still had the temple. It was yet to be destroyed. It was destroyed about 40 years after Jesus died, okay? And then we have Jesus Living flesh and blood, touch, feel, see, hear, taste, smell. Look at him, feel him, know he's around us. Listen to this scripture from 
John 1, 1 to 5. Sorry, I didn't go in order. Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So he was there at creation. And without him was not one thing that came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of the people. The light shines in the darkness. Darkness did not overcome it. Jesus, light, life, word. The living word, the message. But we have a conundrum with Jesus. We have a conundrum. Promises of God fulfilled, yes. Old making sense. God in the flesh as word, life, light. But there's a conundrum. And we've produced it. Because don't we call this the word of God? And isn't Jesus called the word? Isn't that a bit of a conundrum? What would you prefer? Written words or Jesus. You know, a lot of people go for the written word without Jesus. Part of my story is that I went to theological college, I studied, I became an Old Testament lecturer, I could teach the word, I studied it, and I came to a crisis in my life when I said, I know this probably better than anyone in my family or sitting here with me now, but I am not free. I knew Jesus, I loved Jesus, I loved his word. And one day I had to realise that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the one who sends me free. And this points me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit takes this and it's about Jesus, God with me. It's not about a temple, a church building, books. It's not about a tabernacle. It's not about this. It's about Jesus. And this is the book that I read so that I can obey the teachings and live under the authority of my God, who through the Holy Spirit lives in us. So I have one more here, one more. Do I have another volunteer? You've run out of children. You've got one more there. Can I have one more? No? Can I have a volunteer? It can be an old person. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Roman, I need you. Yeah, very good. I've got one more after this. Very good. Watch your... You go and sit next to Jesus. <laughs> this way, along here. Next... Oh, it's all right. You stay there. Hold it up high. What does it say? The spirit of the living God lives in us. Started in Eden, picture of the tabernacle, picture in the temple. Jesus came, but the Holy Spirit calls us the temple of God. Jesus called himself the temple of God. And do you know what? He was killed for it. They thought that was blasphemous. You, we here today who are followers and lovers of Jesus are the temple of the living God, the place where God lives on earth. You like that one? And we need this one so that we can live under the authority. But the story's not finished. Roman, I need you. Hey, what would I do without you today? Just as well because you're soon going to travel the world, aren't you? Well, Australia. 
go right up underneath, right up there, there is a day when Jesus will come again and he will make all things new. We believe that Jesus Christ is the living word. We believe that by reading the stories in here, we find the true God and we live under the authority of this Jesus, this God who through the Spirit takes the word of God, this word, and shapes us and become more like him. Jesus is the final revelation. We are God's people on earth, but there is an end, and it goes right back to a better Eden, a place where there is no more crying, no more weeping, no sadness. Go home and read chapter 21 of Revelation. I won't read that now. We're running out of time. But here, God makes his home among mortals. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, and it's going to be like in Eden, no sin. It's going to be perfect pleasure, delight, belonging, longings, joy, laughter, worship, friendship, all of us together, shalom, and all of creation involved. Isn't that a good ending? And we look forward to the hope of that story. This, my friend, is the story that is in the Bible. Summer reading. Take it. Read. I've got a little app that I've used as I've prepared to. It's great if you're onto social network. It's called How to Read the Bible, Bible Project, 19 days. You can take 19 weeks. I don't really care. You can take all year. But it's a great app that will help you understand how to read the Bible. I've spoiled the book today. I've told you the plot. I've told you about the director. I've told you about the drama. I've told you about the chapter. I've told you about the themes. Is that a spoiler? hope not. I hope that you too can take this word and know that you have the truth, the spirit of truth, Jesus living within, who will shape your life. We don't have to be those actors who have given a script but go off script and live the consequences. We can find how to live under the obedience of the teachings of Jesus through reading, praying, meditating. More about that all summer. Let me pray. Lord, I want to say thank you very, very much. What a master director you are and have been throughout eternity. Thank you that you were made visible through Jesus. Thank you that you live within your people. Thank you for the gifts that you have given us. Thank you that we are so privileged that we have many translations of the Bible so that we can read. And even if we can't read, we can listen. Thank you. And I pray that the spirit of truth would lead us in all truth so that we would submit ourselves to the truth of our God who loves and delights in us so that we can share that mutual belonging. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.